welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. This morning we are starting on a whole new um, message series all about prayer, simply called Prayer. And I should have bought some purple shoes, eh? Um, just to go with the, the graphics, but um, no, I've still got my orange ones. And um, I'm just really, really excited about this and about the, the journey that our church has been on. And just, just to backtrack, um, as, as a pastor and as our oversight team, we've really felt to address and teach on some things over the last six months or a year. So the healing was one, um, money was another one. And um, the cool things about those series was it wasn't just some good good messages. We, we, we became, as a church, doers of the word, not just hearers. And, and we grabbed a hold of that and we ran with, with what was, was happening here. And as a result, things shifted and, and people got breakthroughs and, and still the ongoing effects. Um, people are still praying for each other, which is amazing, and hopefully giving and being generous. So that, that's what that's what I, I am doing what I'm doing for when people grab, like unpacking the Word of God, but people grabbing a hold of that, doing it, not just hearing it, and then seeing the on-flow blessing in people's hearts and lives and, and their communities is phenomenal. So with that foundation, we're starting a prayer series, and um, I've been so touched by the many intercessors in our church that they're just saying, this is just so good, this is so timely, but, but all of us, and I agree with every person that says, we just don't want another good message series, we want a movement. In, in renewed church of prayer. Um, people have always said, and you read the quotes, that prayer is the boiler room of the church, that nothing happens without uh, God's people praying fervently. And um, I really do believe that. So my heart as we go into the series is that this isn't just another good series, that the motivation for this is, and we're going to be looking at um, individual prayer, maybe for a couple of weeks, and then corporate prayer, and then different types of prayer, and then getting people up to share their testimonies and how they pray. So I'm really excited. Are you guys excited to start this series all about prayer? Have we ever asked ourselves the question, why pray? Like, we, we, we understand that prayer is so important to the Christian faith that God really wants us to pray, but have we really took, taken a lot of time and thought about this really, really seriously? Why do we pray? If God's all in control, if he knows the end from the beginning, and, um, and if he knows what we're going to say before we say it, what's the point? Why do we actually need to pray? So I'm glad you've asked that question this morning because um, by word of knowledge, I'm going to answer that question. And, and, and obviously, we could go on forever preaching about prayer. This is only really just an introduction to it, but um, I, I think it's going to be good for us. So why pray? I've got four points. Um, one, because prayer is about relationship with God. Number two, because God's plans are dependent on our prayers, which is an interesting point. I'll get to that a little bit later. Three, because prayer done right is incredibly powerful. And four, because prayer demonstrates our dependence on God. So... Father, as we start this prayer journey, as people are already praying, I pray that it won't just be another great teaching, God, that this will become a movement in our church, in our lives. May we take responsibility. May you give us an incredible revelation of the power of prayer. May condemnation go. Lord, may truth and joy and expectation and passion for prayer come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Number one, why pray? Because prayer is all about Relationship, it really is. God loves relationship, and so often 
a big part of relationship is conversation, is, is talking with each other. So um, if we really boil down what prayer is and just in the most simplistic way, and people would say, well, prayer is simply talking to God. But I don't think it's talking to God. Like, Christy could be talking to me, and it's just a one-way monologue, and I may not even be listening. Uh, so even just one person talking um, is, is not what prayer is. A much better description of what prayer is is not talking to God, talking with God. And there is a big difference because as soon as you go from the talking to God to the talking with God, it means there's a relationship there. And it's all about listening and talking and dialoguing and conversing and and waiting um, and sharing. But I started thinking about that. And you can talk with someone and still not really care about what they say. Like, the, the, the conversation can be so shallow that it's just, what's the point in actually talking? You know, you, you go and say hello to someone, and you know that it's polite to say something, but you just like, so we talk about the weather. It's like, who really cares about if it's sunny outside? Everyone can see that. So why do we talk about, like, you can have conversation that's incredibly shallow. So I don't think it's talking to God. I don't even necessarily think it's talking with God. What I think it is, is talking with God on a deep level. And that's this word communion Communion means intimate communication. And so I think prayer is simply communion with God. We use this word communion for uh, describing what we do with the, uh, and we're going to do it at the end of this message, uh, the grape juice that represents the blood of Jesus and the bread that represents his body broken. And we call that communion. It's actually never called communion in the Bible, interestingly enough, um, which, is, which is phenomenal. But communion is intimate communication. And have we ever stopped to think that we have this incredible honor and privilege about that we can actually communicate with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on an intimate level? Like that, that just completely blows me away. So this is what we were created for partially, and this is what prayer is about, to be able to communicate with God on an intimate level and for God to be able to communicate with us. Back in the Garden of Eden, this is one of the main reasons why God created mankind, so that he could have relationship with us, so that he could walk with us and talk with us, share what's on his heart, and for us to do the same to him. But we know the story, Adam and Eve sinned, they, they blew it. Um, the curse of sin and death, brokenness, sickness came into this world. And that, that, that openness uh, of communing with God on that deep level was broken. And then we see throughout the Old Testament, God spoke to specific people, and then they spoke on behalf of God. So not many people understood that, or you know, obviously because Jesus hadn't come yet, they couldn't have that, uh, that incredible relationship with God. So for example, God spoke to Moses, Moses spoke to the people, God didn't, uh, the people didn't want God to speak directly to them, they wanted intermediaries. Um, the prophets, again, God spoke to prophets, and the prophets spoke to the people. We get to the New Testament, and because God just loves us so much, and he wants to be able to dialogue. Like, God wants us to pray to him. He wants to share things with us. Jesus came. Um, he, he, because of what he did on the cross, broke the curse. He paid it all. Um, when, when he died in the temple, there was a curtain that represented how holy God was and that people couldn't go close to God. That, that curtain was ripped completely in two, symbolizing that we can have intimate communion, communication with God. Once again, this is his heart for us. 
So, Mary, I don't know who you think's a hero in your life or some incredibly famous person. I'm not sure. I don't know who you think. Just imagine someone. Elon Musk, I don't know. You guys see Starlink the other day? Like, I watched an awe for like 20 minutes. It's like, I don't know how many satellites. It's inc- anyway, just say someone like that um, that you see as, as uh, and you place in high esteem just said, Simon, I just really, really want to hang out with you. Like, I'm actually interested in what you want to talk about. Like, let's have coffee. And like, we would, we would drop everything. We would just like, man, like, who am I that that person wants to, to talk and spend time? God, the creator of the universe, he spoke. Worlds were created. He wants to talk with you. He, he can't wait for you to talk with him on not just a how's the, how's the weather going, but on this deep level, communion. Why pray? Because it's all about relationship with God. And, and how often do we neglect that incredible privilege? If you are here this morning, if you're watching this or listening to this, and you've never given your life to Jesus, that because of what Jesus has done, we can have that relationship with God. It's just a matter of saying, yes, I surrender to him. Why pray? Because God loves us. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. And a big part of relationship is communing and communicating. It's interesting, eh? Like when you've been married to someone um, as long as Chrissy and I have, 26 years, 27 years, like you can just look at them and you know what everyone, what, you can communicate without talking. Uh, it's, it's, and I know when I hack Christy off, she doesn't have to say anything. It's just like she knows. Uh, I know. Um, <laughs> So I think, too, with prayer, so often we think it's, it's words. I really do think it's more than that. Like so often I just go walking, and I'm with God. I'm communing with him. Sometimes I don't actually say a lot. I'm listening. I'm being with God. Um, so, again, it just highlights that whole thing of communication. It's so much deeper than just talking to someone. Number two, why pray? Because God's plans are dependent on our prayers. Because God's plans are dependent on our prayers. And again, if you think, wait, I actually don't even think I agree with that, Simon. That sounds a little bit like heresy because are you putting God in, in a box? Are you limiting God? And so I've basically collected a whole lot of quotes from people that know better than me. But I just want to say this, we weren't just created to have relationship. Like I said before, we're created to have a relationship, but we weren't just created to have a relationship with God. It's so much bigger than that. We were created to assist God, by God, to assist Him in seeing His plans and purposes fulfilled. Because God just is so into family, is so into cooperation, that He's given us the opportunity to help Him out, to be a co-laborer with Him. And that, that's one of the things we are called in 1 Corinthians 3.19. Uh, for we are co-workers or co-laborers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. In our very DNA, our design as human beings, we are created to be co-partners with God. And God's designed that in us. And that's an incredible thought that, like, I'm sure God doesn't need us. No, he doesn't, but he wants us, and therefore he's made us a big part and invited us to have like, the opportunity and the privilege to be able to do this. So getting back to why pray, like, I'm really positive that God just doesn't want us to pray to keep us busy or just to like, make us feel stink when we don't pray. I actually don't think that God created prayer so that we could have some enjoyable Christian exercise to do, um, to to. to I absolutely don't think it's, it's any of those things. I really do think that God has determined that he will use the prayers of his people to accomplish his purposes on planet Earth. 
because he is so for co-partnership. And he's invited us into that. And how do we co-partner with him? Obviously, we, we live the way he wants us to, but we pray prayers as he leads us. And he's allowed us to play a big part in seeing his plans and purposes fulfilled. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, she was the wife of um, Jim, I think it was, Elliot, who was martyred as a missionary to the Orca Indians, and, and her story continues, and there was a huge revival um, to that people group. She says, prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. John Wesley says, God does nothing but an answer to prayer, and even they who have been converted to God without praying it for themselves, which is exceedingly rare, were not without the prayers of others. Every new victory which a soul gains is the effect of a new prayer. You think about it, every spiritual awakening, every revival, it's happened because someone's prayed. Every person that's become saved, someone's prayed. Every breakthrough in our life, or my life has happened because either I've prayed or someone else more so has prayed. Everything that we do or what we see God do is because of prayer. And if that wasn't so, in James it says we have not because we ask not. So obviously, prayer is a big deal. And again, it may be a little bit controversial, but it actually isn't that God has restricted his plans and his purposes on planet Earth to us through our prayers that we pray in the will of God. Because he is such a co-partnering God. E.M. Bounds, now he's one of the huge heavy weights of history when it comes to prayer. This is what he said. God has of his own motion placed himself under the law of prayer and has obligated himself to answer the prayers of men. He has ordained prayer as a means whereby he will do things through men as they pray, which he would not otherwise do. If prayer puts God to work on earth, then, by the same token, prayerlessness rules God out of the world's affairs and prevents him from working. And so again, you've got to ask the question then, all the darkness and the sin and the despair and the brokenness and the wrecked lives, and we can point the finger at the devil, but then when we realize that, God is, God's will is that none should perish, and he's asked and invited us to be co-partners with him. He's given us the way to pray. He's given us what to pray. And if things don't happen because we don't pray, who's, who's, has to take, who has to take responsibility then? God ordains his interventions to be in response to faith-fueled prayer. God gives us the privilege of including us in his work. I love that. It's, it's actually quite deep, um, but I just really encourage you to pray and to think and to, to meditate on that because with that, it makes prayer make sense. Like, if, if God didn't need us to pray, then why pray? But obviously, he, this prayer thing is a huge deal. Why? And we understand why, because we're co-partners with God. Our prayers shift things as we pray in accordance with God's will. I love that. So, because prayer is about relationship, why pray? Number two, because God's plans are dependent on our prayers. Number three, because prayer done right is so powerful. Because prayer done the right way is so powerful. This is what David Jeremiah says. Prayer is the way to defeat the devil. And in the notes, there's a whole lot of verses for this you can look up. So every one of these um, lines, there is a verse that specifically says, how is this going to happen? We pray. 
Prayer is the way you defeat the devil. Prayer is the way you get the lost saved. Prayer is the way you acquire wisdom. Prayer is the way a backslider gets restored. Prayer is how the saints get strengthened. Prayer is the way we get laborers out onto the mission field. Prayer is how we cure the sick. Prayer is how we accomplish the impossible. Everything we do that's worth doing, everything God wants to do in the church, everything God wants to do in your life, he has subjected it all to one thing, prayer. Prayer is powerful. Let's read James 5, 13 to 18. Is this the first scripture verse I've actually used today? No, we've done one, we've done one before. That's all right. Uh, any of you suffering hardships, you should pray. Are any of you happy, you should sing praises. Are any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Notice how often the word pray is in this. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Other, other translations will say the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person does wonderful things, etc. Elijah was as human as we are. And I love this. It's like we think of Elijah as this incredible prophet, and he was. He had the gifting of a prophet, but he was just normal like us. I'm sure he struggled with the same sort of struggles that we do. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Prayer done right is phenomenally powerful. So how do we pray right? I just think it's a simple formula based on these verses. Earnest prayer plus a righteous person equals great power and wonderful results. Earnest prayer plus a righteous person equals great power and wonderful results. So what does earnest mean? In the Bible, in the dictionary it says, earnest means showing sincere and intense conviction. Like this is a type of prayer that you don't care how ugly your prayer sounds. It's, it's passionate. It's fervent. Like, you know how you can ugly cry? Um, sometimes you can ugly pray as well. And I think ugly prayers are the most powerful prayers. I hope I don't embarrass Wayne, but we had a pre- little prayer breakfast, um, the intercessors yesterday morning, and um, I just came along. I'm not an intercessor. I thank God for intercessors. Um, but there was some ugly praying going on there, but man, it was, it was so powerful. I just want a whole church full of Christians that are praying ugly prayers. I just think we would, we would see God do incredible things. I'm sorry, Wayne. Um, I actually wasn't thinking about how it was going to sound, but you know what I mean. Thank you. Um, and sometimes we actually need to pray. We need to forget about all the religious, religiosity and how well we think our prayers should be praying and just pray raw and real and earnest and passionate prayers. So the earnest prayer, it's not like you, you, know, you, you pray prayers before a meal because you know you should, and it's like, okay, you ask one of your kids to pray, it's like, okay, we'll pray, thank you, Lord, for the food. And it's just like, you know, I don't know if how, how powerful those prayers are. They're not earnest prayers sometimes. 
a righteous person, like someone who is right with God. We know the Bible says that our righteousness, when we try and be righteous in our own strength, in our own way, in our own humanity, it's just it's it's not good. It's it's God calls them like rags, um, filthy rags. The Bible says, and that's that's putting it politely. So it's not our righteousness and us trying to be good. The only way we become righteous is, is going to Jesus for his righteousness and, and allowing what Jesus has already done on the cross, which is his, his blood was spilt to wash away our sins, um, asking for that process in our life. And because of what Jesus did, we become righteous. It's the righteousness of God upon our lives. We, we, we can fill our lives with the righteousness of God. And so how, how do we... How do we become righteous? We just go to Jesus regularly. Um, you know, obviously, at times we trip up and we fall, and when we realize that, we acknowledge that, we go back to God in repentance and ask for forgiveness. It's righteousness. So a, a simply a righteous man or a righteous woman is someone who keeps short accounts with God's, who, who God, who understands the power of the cross, the power of the blood, and frequently and regularly falls upon the mercy of God. Which means every single one of us, our prayers can become phenomenally, ridiculously, radically powerful. If we get close to Jesus, we understand it's his righteousness, and we pray fervently and earnestly. What's the power in this room? Each one of us, as we pray in accordance to the will of God, what mountains could be shifted in your life, in this city, in this community? So what's an example of earnest prayers? And this is a funny example. And it's probably not the best example, but many, many years ago in my youth pastoring days, there was a youth leaders um, retreat. And a few of us guys, um, it was in the Tangihuas. We decided to go for uh, like a swim. It was, might have been midwinter. I don't know why, we, we, but it, was, it sounded like a good idea at the time. Um, so we went, and even one of the guys, like he just couldn't even be bothered changing, so he just went off in his undies. It couldn't have been midwinter. So anyway, this was like away from the girls. This guy's been guys out and like thinking it's like man versus wild. So I went for the, and, and the watering hole was quite a way away. We found this real good spot. And then we decided to trailblaze it back to the cabin. And honestly, we got really, really lost. And for hours. And uh, we, I started to get a little bit worried because it's like, good grief, I'm the, I'm the youth pastor and we're going to have search and rescue somewhere. It's obvious we're going to have to stay the night, and I'm probably going to get fired. And Tim, who's just in his undies, who's going to cuddle him tonight and keep him warm because he's going to be cold? And I just... It wasn't Tim Buchanan. I just got... Yeah, it's another Tim. <laughs> another Tim that's far, far away now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's, yes, it's not Tim. Um, Anyway, you know the time it was like, oh, this is sort of serious, but it's not really. So I just, as the youth pastor, like, hey, we're going to pray. And, but it wasn't a fervent prayer. It was pretty flippant, to be honest. And, and then, it, obviously, an hour or so later, it did start to get darker. And, and there was another guy who was a youth pastor. And he was, getting, he was getting married the week after. And he started, like, almost crying because he thought he was going to die in the wilderness and not get married. It's youth leaders for you. Anyway, it got to the point where we were all starting to really, really worry. And so I said, okay, guys, let's just get together and let's pray again. And honestly, we prayed fervent prayers. Um, like that prayer, little prayer meeting was phenomenal because we were like praying, praying. And honestly, within a short moment, we heard like girls going, hey, where are you? Like the girls came and they, they had sent like a search party out. Um, 
And honestly, I don't know if we were that far away from the cabin, but you know in the, in the movie The Hobbit where they, they're, in, they're lost and they walk up that tree and he's like looking and there's like this green everywhere, but he's in like a valley. I'm pretty sure that was this situation. When you were young, like 25 years ago, it felt like real serious at the time. Anyway, my point is we were praying earnestly and passionately and God answered pretty quickly. The prayer of a righteous person is effective if we pray in earnest. And another um, up-to-date example, which is far less dramatic, uh, we really felt that we needed a couple, uh, a husband and wife that were called to ministry to help us out um, as a church. And so most nights, walking around the loop, uh, when I got to a certain place, I thought, okay, this is the time I'm going to get serious and earnest and persis- persistent about this, and, and just started praying um, pretty, pretty earnestly that God would send a couple along. And um, I didn't know how, how that would happen. You know, you hear stories about how God speaks to people and says, well, you need to leave there now and you need to come up here and help. Um, that's what happened with Mitch and Larissa. Um, I, that still blows me away how God does that, moves behind the scenes and, and sorts things out. Um, it's praying passionately, praying earnestly, praying like you actually mean it and you actually believe it, and praying when, you've, when you're reasonably close to God. Another one. Um, if we've got time, um, is when Christy and I were about to get married, man, it felt like all hell was thrown against us. And I, I got to the point where, does, does God even want me to get married? And it was a terrible, terrible time. So for the only time in my life, I fasted for three days. Fasted and prayed hard um, that God would give clarification. And out of the most unusual circumstance, this guy like, spoke a prophecy over our lives. He didn't have a clue what was going on. God spoke that day. The effective prayer of a person. Um, uh, it, it's, it's effective if you're passionate, um, if you're fervent. And I could just go on and on and on, but you guys understand. Um, lastly, because I'm running out of time, I'll go quickly. God demonstrates our dependence on God. Why pray? Because God demonstrates our dependence on God. Prayerlessness is an epidemic in the Western church. Uh, and, and people have tracked um, the the regularity of prayer in the church over decades now, and every single decade, it is dropping significantly. So the latest survey done by uh, an outfit called PewResearch.org, they're a survey polling um, ministry, only 45% of Christians pray daily. So less than half of all Christians now in the West It's not even like praying anything long. It's like even if it's just like one sentence, you wake up in the morning and say, good grief, God, I need help today. That's like if you do that daily, that's praying daily. Like less than half of us are praying any sort of prayer now daily. And and then we wonder why this this world is in trouble. And so that's uh, obviously it's a illuminating uh, statistic. The other one is only 2% of Christians are actually happy with their prayer life. So 98% of us, we we know we're not praying enough. We're sort of, we we feel stink about it. And this is the one thing I didn't want to happen uh, in this series is for the, the condemnation to come. I'm really encouraged because Jesus had this issue of prayerlessness with his disciples. Like, at the time, they needed, he needed them the most. They couldn't pray for an hour for them. And he, he rebuked, he roasted them for it. But if the disciples could have an issue with this, it obviously shows that we can have. It's a human condition. Um, so I pray off any condemnation, but I actually do think it's time for us to be convicted by the Holy Spirit about this. That we actually need to understand how powerful prayer is, um, why God wants us to pray, and actually lift the level in prayer.
It needs to be so much more than just simply 45%. Uh, another thing I'm, 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 I reckon this is happening because the devil always counterattacks. And so what, what is it about prayer that, that's defining? I think one, and I've just shared it, it shows that we depend upon God. Ronnie Floyd puts it this way um, in his book, How to Pray. There are two critical statements about prayer that we must understand. Prayer occurs when you depend on God, and prayerlessness occurs when you depend on yourself. Two things we need to remember. Prayer occurs when you depend on God, and prayerlessness occurs when you depend upon Yourself. Prayer demonstrates our dependence on God and lack of reliance on self. What I'm actually seeing, I think Satan is, is counterattacking this um, with prayerlessness because there is so much independence and so much rebellion and so much relying on self now. Um, it, it's just rising. Even in, in Christians, we know like half of us aren't praying anymore. Why? What does that show? We're simply maybe we don't rely on God like we should be. So I think the devil is ramping this up, and I'm, I'm seeing elements of it. Now, you can be a Christian and still have a big problem with an independent spirit or a rebellious spirit or huge issues with authority. And, and if that's you, I just really pray that the, you will allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your heart. I know that there's been excesses of control and manipulation in the church, and that is absolutely wrong. But I think there needs to be a reordering of understanding of authority, good, biblical, righteous authority. Um, and getting rid of this independent spirit that a lot of us carry. Is that all right? So, getting back to point number four, prayer demonstrates our dependence on God. It's actually a really good, when, when you look at yourself, a self-inventory um, of your life, you know, do I really depend upon God? Uh, our prayer life will actually be a really honest um, you know, if, if you can really ask yourself a litmus test about that, that would be that would be quite a good, real one. Anyway, let's have the band up. Takeaway today, a practical takeaway before um, we get into communion. Simply this: pray first. Like before anything happens, when you hear some bad news, pray first. Like when you're feeling down, pray first. When someone hacks you off, instead of telling someone else about why you're hacked off with that person, just pray for them. Pray first. But most importantly, I think, one thing we can do is in the morning, pray first. Uh, a few years ago, if I was listening to myself preach today, I would be getting offended with me because I would be thinking, well, Simon, you're not a morning person. You're a night person. Um, and I actually switched that around. I've become much more of a morning person. And and I obvious, honestly, when I was a farm laborer, I was getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, and had no problem with it because you're actually getting paid to do that. But I, well, how could I do that? Just go to bed earlier. Like That is the answer to everyone who struggles with getting up early. Just go to bed earlier. It's actually not that hard to work that out. Um, but I absolutely love this whole concept of praying first. I don't pray long prayers in the morning. I don't like I'm still pretty groggy half the time, but at least I'm starting the day with God first before anything else. And, and Jesus modeled this in Mark 1 verse 38. Rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. I don't think that was an isolated case. I think he did that frequently, but he also prayed throughout the day and after big events in the evening as well. But this whole theme of praying in, in the morning, it's right throughout Scripture, just a couple of verses to finish off. In Psalm, Psalm 5.3, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. 
Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. Psalm 88, 13. But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning my prayer comes before you. Psalm 119, 147. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and I put my hope in your words. And I love one of the, um, the Fight Club guys groups. Um, that they, they were challenged. Just like set your alarm, just even if it's five minutes earlier. Let's just start doing this. I think there is going to be a huge breakthrough if more of us just simply get up in the morning before we look at anything else on our phones, before we do much of anything else. Just put God first. Pray first. Um, So finally, a couple of things to to think about before we go into communion. And for communion this morning, I thought it would be great just to spend some time in quiet prayer. Peter Kreft, his his book, Prayer for Beginners, he says the single most important piece of advice about prayer is one word, begin. Like That's the most important advice. Like Just start, begin, and we're going to do that as a church. Uh, We're going to give space for a few minutes uh, as as the band just plays some instrumental stuff soon. And Rick Warren says the more you pray, the less you panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. And I mean, there's so, so many opportunities to panic, isn't there, and to stress out. But the more we pray, the less we panic. It takes our eyes off the stuff and back onto God and the glory of God and that he's got it all taken care of. So let's please please stand up. And we've got um, some crackers and uh, grape juice. Um, You take the first part off and there's a wafer there. That represents the body of Christ. And um, and then take the next little lid off and then there's the grape juice. That represents the blood of Jesus. and it's so important to do this regularly, to, to refocus our life and our faith upon Jesus. If you need to get things right today, get it right before you do this. And as it's called, communion, commune with God. But you can take this any time within the next few minutes as, as we are just contemplating, contemplating Jesus. And um, at the end, I'll pray to finish off. But I just think in, in the quiet and in the stillness and as we're dedicating some time to God just in prayer and individual prayer, you don't have to pray out loud, it's just in your hearts. I really do think, like I was talking about ugly prayers, I think the most powerful prayers are also the shortest prayers if, if they're prayed earnestly. Prayers like this, I surrender. Powerful prayer. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus or you know that you're not right with him, two simple words that you can pray in your heart today will change your life. I surrender and give your life back to Jesus. What about yes, when God's calling you to do something, maybe it's a call, maybe you know that he's directing you to do something and you've been really hesitating that. One of the greatest prayers, most powerful prayers answered to God's call is yes. Simply one word. What about forgive me? You know, we know when, when we trip up and, and that regret and that guilt comes in. And, and as we sin, it's like the devil has a right to start to accuse us because we've sinned but as soon as we say God please forgive me then that breaks Satan's power in our life and we push him away um, because we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus and we don't have to put up with guilt anymore like, um, if, if you're struggling with guilt and you've already asked forgiveness you, know, you, you can tell Satan to shut up because of what Jesus has done you are now guiltless Help is another one. Maybe you're in trouble this morning. Whatever it is, just say, God, help. I need some help. Lastly, and this is really, really powerful, and this is specific to people here. I don't know your situation, but I just really feel um, that some of us need to simply say, I forgive him or I forgive her. You're struggling with offense. Something's happened, and it's not saying what they've done is right at all. 
um, but it's simply giving that pain and that hurt and that right to offense over to the Lord and leaving that person in the Lord's hands. It releases you. It brings freedom to your life. But we need to acknowledge that before the Lord and say, I forgive that person, God. So I'll pray, and then we can just spend a few moments, a few minutes in quiet prayer. Just use this time to commune with the Lord. I really do believe God's going to speak to you. And then after that, we'll take communion. Or you can take communion during this time as you feel. So Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for this incredible, incredible opportunity to be able to co-partner with you and seeing plans and purposes fulfilled on planet Earth. Firstly, Lord, that you've called us and you've invited us to have this super, super close relationship with you, intimate communication. Lord, you love us so much. You sent Jesus to this world so that that relationship could be restored. Lord, we're sorry for the times we've neglected that. Thank you for that invitation. Lord, you've called us to be co-laborers. Lord, I pray that we'll have open hearts to hear and understand what you're calling us to pray for. And and we will start praying and taking our place and assisting you and seeing your plans and purposes fulfilled on planet Earth, God. Lord, I I rebuke, I I come against, I repent of myself uh, an independent streak. Lord, we want to depend on you not ourselves. We ask for forgiveness of prayerlessness. Lord, may prayer become something so living and so exciting in our lives. And Lord, prayer done right is so powerful. As we understand, it's not our righteousness, it's your righteousness coming back to you, God, and praying real prayers. Lord, may things start to happen in the name of Jesus. Increase in miracles, increase in breakthroughs, increase in Lord and pushing the darkness back off our lives, off our family, off the city in Jesus' name as we understand the incredible power of prayer. So Lord, at the start of this, this series, Lord, we're just going to take a few moments out, a couple of minutes in quiet contemplation and, and communion with you, God. Thank you for this opportunity, God. We want to talk with you now, Father on a deep level, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.